Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. Football is back tomorrow, Saturday. Arsenal take on Crystal Palace. After a two-week break since our last game, the lads have been out in Dubai getting some warm weather training under their belts. I hope that when they have returned to the UK, if it's as cold in the UK as it is in Ireland right now, I'm a bit worried about things shriveling up and tightening up and not functioning in the way that we would like them to. However, maybe all that vitamin D from the sunshine has been just the thing that we needed. And by we, I mean the entire team and not just Ben White's tan. There's been a bit of a problem in recent weeks. Not scoring enough goals, letting too many goals in. Simple fixes, really, when you think about it. Simply don't let any goals in and just score a lot more. And everything will be right as rain. And to those of you who think it's easier said than done, well, that's why you're not working at the top level of professional football like I'm not anyway. It will be good to have football back on Saturday. We're midway into January, more than midway into January, and not much is happening in the uh, in the transfer market. I know many people are invested and hopeful that Arsenal might do something, but so far... Nothing. And we're not alone in that regard either. We're far from alone. There's not a great deal happening in in the Premier League at all. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to talk about some young players, Mikel Arteta, Ivan Tony, Arsenal striker search, and lots more besides. With me to do that from the Gooner Talk, it is Tom Canton. Hello, Tom. How are you? Very good, mate. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. First and foremost, I have to ask you, just how excited are you to see Karim Benzema at the Emirates wearing the famous red and white of the Arsenal? Seems like it's just, you know, a matter of time before this deal finally, finally happens. I feel 12 years old again. That's how I feel. I just, I, this is the golden era of Arsenal transfer rumours, is it not? Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been one of those that's done the rounds for, for so long. And obviously, it's completely ludicrous, I think. There is a story during the rounds about how Arsenal are trying to take him on loan. There's, there's an issue with uh, him at his Saudi Arabian club, which I think is, is interesting. We might talk about that in the context of, of Jordan Henderson in, in a few minutes as well. But my understanding is that he's on a, he's on a wage north of a million euros a week. That's not a mistake, people. That is a million euros a week. Now, clearly that's not something Arsenal can do. Maybe there's some possible compromise on that. But, you know, I'll take 50% pay cut and I'll come and play. It is, you know, in a month where there really hasn't been much going on. 
in the in the transfer market or in terms of transfer rumors you know it's it's a good uh, piece of ludicrous nonsense to get our teeth into on a on a podcast at least yeah it is uh, and we need that sometimes you know um Almost every day we need something like this. But the Benzema thing, not only is it nostalgically brilliant, but as you say, the finances surrounding the deal make it just so entertaining to try and work out not only what he earns a millisecond, which is what people love to do is get their calculators out and break it down to what he's earning every single day and et cetera. But from the point of view that we've all been aware of the profit and sustainability restrictions that Arsenal are working toward, and we've all learned what the word amortization means over the last <laughs> year or two, it's the case that a guy who's on a wage that would cost, as we say, I think it's 100 million euros for a season at Al- uh, Etihad that he's on. So you break that down into what it would be six months. And yes, there's semantics about how much would be image rights and how it really breaks down. But for the the point of just fun... It's it's hilarious to consider that a, a forty million pound transfer gets spread across five years in amortisation. Forty million quid in wages, they don't get split up at all. Like that's expected all <laughs> in those six months that you're paying them. So it just seems so ludicrous at this yes, stage. Yes, it is. Let's just say, for argument's sake, that he was prepared to take a, a meager salary of I don't know two hundred grand a week, two hundred and fifty grand a Poor week. Guy. You know, to, you know, really cutting his cloth and and showing his dedication to his craft. You know, would you would you be inclined to take a thirty six year old Karim Benzema for six months at Arsenal? Do you think that's what we need? Is he the, is he the kind of striker, the kind of character that we need, or is that something maybe you just put to one side? You know, for argument's sake, you, you're going for a title, you're going for the Champions League. Here's an experienced guy; he scores lots of goals, has scored lots of goals. You know, at the top level for Real Madrid, uh, you know, in, in La Liga and in the Champions League. Or is it a case maybe that? you know, having been away from the top level at his age for, you know, what is it now, nine months there, thereabouts, since he would have played a really top-level game, you might find your your powers dwindling, if that's the, the diplomatic way of putting it. Sure, and I think there's something to be said about you know, the the age of, of players and strikers in particular into their 30s. I think that, you know, sports science is getting to a stage where players' careers are extending, you know, well into their 30s and players are able to continue at a good level well into that. I think Karen Benzema and, and Olivier Giroud, must be something the French are doing, um, are extending those careers quite significantly. In short to your answer, if it was a viable wage, I think I would. You know, I think I actually would take Karen Benzema for six months, considering goals is a big problem for us. Mm-hmm. And we need that little boost to maybe take us and close that gap significantly. And I knew that it wasn't going to have financial repercussions for us further down the line, like we know that the reality of that deal would. I think I don't think it's crazy to say yes. I would be tempted to to bring in Benzema and see what he, Saka, and Martinelli as a front three could do with Erdegaard. You know, reuniting with him, that Real Madrid connection coming back. Mm. It'd be interesting to see. But it, in reality, we know that it, it's you know it's 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 worth the discussion um, just to bring back your your memories of what it was like back in the, uh, <laughs> the early 2010s. But uh, more than that is, is gets a little bit silly. Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. I think so. I think the, the reality is it's, it's never going to happen um, or it is, you know, a very, very, it's like the, uh, the scene in uh, what's the Jim Carrey film. Is it dumb and dumber where, you mm. know, 
I wouldn't go out with you in a million or is a million to one. And he's like, so you're saying there's a chance? You know, it's <laughs> it's that kind of thing. I think we're in that kind of territory uh, when it comes to him. And I think there's there's something fascinating about fans desire to see something different in the team and something new in the team, right? Today, there's yeah, a story so. There's a story doing the rounds about uh, our, our young academy striker, Micah Beareth, who's been mm. at Motherwell. I think he scored five goals and got six assists in, in 15 games in the Scottish Premier League. So not a bad return for him. And Motherwell have, have said today that they are, you know, they're a bit disappointed that he's going to be leaving. Arsenal have decided to cut short the loan mm. because it looks like, a club in the championship, Sheffield Wednesday, want to take him on loan. And Arsenal probably feel, in terms of his development as a player, that playing championship football is better for him than playing um, in, in Scotland, in the SPL. With all due respect to our, our Scottish listeners, I'm, I'm guessing that's what, what Arsenal are thinking. And I've, I've seen um, comments from fans who are going, well, this is ridiculous. Why don't we give him a chance? Why don't we stick him up top? I'd rather see him than Jesus. You know, why Why isn't Arteta giving this young player a, a go? And look, I get it. We all want the new thing, but like there is a there is a, a need maybe to step back and look at, look at a situation like this objectively. You know, you can go from one extreme of Kareem Benzema as a potential loan deal, which, you know, we've said is not likely to happen, but then also a 20-year-old who's done all right in Scotland but needs to play at a, a different level in order to, to, to develop as a player and understand the game and all the rest. And yet, because we're in this slump, because we're in this period of bad form, because we haven't scored a goal for, well, you know, we did score, you know, against Fulham, um, but the goal scoring has been an issue. I think people are just like, oh, anything? Anything will do now at this point. And, and I just don't really see how uh, Beareth is any more realistic uh, as an option for Arsenal than, than Benzema for, for different reasons, obviously. Well, of course. I think if you dig deep enough, you're always going to find these views at different ends of the spectrum regarding Arsenal striker situation. And, and with Mika Beareth, who is a player that we know we got from Fulham, we've, we've sent him on a couple of loans, he's been abroad, he's, he's now obviously gone off to Scotland and has now come back. Sheffield Wednesday, we've got a recent relationship with them. We sent Tyrese John Jules to them not so long ago, although he played one game before he got injured. And that's been the story of his, you know, mm. loan career in, in terms of John Jules. And I expect him to move on probably in the, in the not so distant uh, future. But, you're right to point this out, this desperation. And ironically, when you look at the bigger picture, which is the Arsenal this season, we expect them to be in a successive title race, which so far, yes, I think they've, they've slipped a bit, but I'd still say Arsenal is still very much in with the shout of winning the title this season. The chances are smaller than maybe there were last season, but that's because we've got another absolute giant involved in the race that wasn't this time last year. And is Mika Biref, when you look at that seriously, going to turn Arsenal into the team that go from a team that were, you know, just off Man City and were maybe a William Saliba injury away from winning the title to a team that now turns over Mohamed Salah and Erling Haaland? The answer is no. And yeah. when you think of it in that logical way, you realise how far-fetched these calls are to, to throw random kids in. And, and I think, actually, it opens up a quite a cool discussion about the wider prospect of, of bringing other youth players that exist at the club, like Raw Waters and Miles Lewis Skelly or Ethan Winery. I think that whilst these kids have got amazing futures ahead of them, I think that the idea that Mikel Arteta could bring them in 
during a title race and get their first proper senior minutes in Premier League football and expect that to not have an impact on how good we are this season is, again, just as far-fetched as saying that Mikabirov should probably come back in and start. Yeah, I think this discussion about Arteta and young players, I think, is a fascinating one because he has, you know, built a very young team. Are they... 16, 17-year-olds, no, but there are a lot of early 20s. Saka, Martinelli, when they started making their uh, regular appearances, were, were teenagers. Um, you know, he brought in a load of players aged 22 to 24. And that that helped Arsenal push on and, and progress. And I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about this, because yeah. the the blooding of youth and the bringing through of academy players is something that I think most fans really connect with because we see a kid who's, you know, grown up at the academy and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, a hero for Arsenal, a hero for his country as Bakayo Saka has been, you know, a national figure, a mainstay in, in the international team. But is the reality of what Arsenal have got available to them, what Mikel Arteta has actually got available to him in terms of young talent is that not the biggest driver of whether or not he's going to use some of these players? Like, I had a look at the, uh, if I can find my browser window now, I've got about 17 browser windows, all of them with different tabs and what have you. Um, <laughs> but but I was looking at the Academy uh, list on the official website, right? And you're looking at the players who are out on loan there now. And you're struggling to see who it is that's, ready to make any kind of a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Mika Beareth, Tyrese John-Jules, you mentioned he's going to you know, extend his loan, I think. Charlie Patino doing okay at, at Swansea, but you know, this is championship football again. And the other names are like, well, they are much more obscure, I guess. And where are they playing? And what are they doing at those clubs that makes anyone think that they're ready? You mentioned Miles Lewis-Skelly, Ethan Waneri, you know, they are the generation behind that. They're younger. They're not quite ready for even going out on loan yet. And there's this clamor for their presence in not just the first team squad, but in the first team itself. Mm-hmm. So is the sort of romantic idea of youth at odds with the reality of, of you know, the, the academy setup at this moment in time? Yeah, I think there's there's two roots with this. One is quite a nice one, and, and that's empathy. I think Arsenal fans have an empathetic feeling towards the young players and want to see them given more chances. And the other side is is not as nice, and I think that's just part of the, the short-term attention span that so many of us now have these days with five-second videos here and there and reels and shorts and TikToks where we need something new all the time. We need to be given something new. And so whilst the transfer window is not open, the only opportunity to get something new is to see some kids get a chance in the team. And that desire to constantly want to see something new or something different or take a risk, and it could be the next Kylian Mbappe, you know, could come from the Arsenal academy. Especially when we at Arsenal have been so, you know, so blessed with the amount of talent that has come through in recent years with Saka and Smith-Rowe in particular. Not so long ago, we sold Iwobi for nearly £40 million. And we've had a really good record of, of these players coming through and either earning us a little bit of money or, like Saka and Smith, are having an impact on the first team. And I, I set out to tackle this, what I think is a myth of Arteta not giving um, youth a chance with a, a piece on Football.London about this in which we talked about 
the, the context of, of Arteta at Arsenal in comparison to, say, Klopp and Guardiola, who are often praised for the amount of debuts they, say, give to, to young players. I think that there is an argument that the pressure on Arteta is a reason why he doesn't sometimes. The expectation to turn Arsenal into a team that can challenge Manchester City. As a manager, are you going to gamble a game or a gamble a fixture? And, and I could go as far as saying the PSV game, which competitively... There was no reward to that game. But are you going to gamble that potential momentum loss by throwing in a kid? Are you going to gamble that kid who you've spent 10 years developing on a 10-minute cameo that they could do awfully in that was really in the end of no benefit? And then what's the view of the millions of fans going to be of that kid? Well, do you remember that game against PSV where they came on and they were awful? Because that's now the last reference point we've got of them. Mm. You've got to be so careful with these kids, you know, how you develop them and when you give them their chances. Charlie Patino's first start was against um, Nottingham Forest in the FA Cup. And I, it wasn't exactly a great performance overall from the team. But that was the last reference points of a start we had from him. Mm. And to be fair to Arteta, he gave Charles Sego Jr. a start this year in the League Cup. Looked okay but I think was was clearly outshone by the senior players, of course, around him. So, yeah, I think that there is a desperation for obviously new things, but there is a real myth that goes around that Arteta doesn't give you the chance. I think he's just very cautious about how to approach it. Yeah, I've said this before. I think the fact that, you know, the level has been raised. Now, everyone's talking about Arsenal bringing in a, a, a new forward, and we'll, we'll talk about that, but everyone wants a new forward. Everyone wants a, a transformative player. We need somebody who can give us more than, than Eddie Nketiah, for example. Let's say mm. that that is the sort of floor of where you're at and you want to raise that, but everyone's looking for that. And, and rightly, I suppose, if you're going to be consistent with your worldview or your football opinion, it should be the case that if you're looking for a player to come in and start first-team games, that player should be raising the level, right? Should be raising the level of, of what you've already got. And I don't think those players are available to Mikel Arteta right now. I really don't. And we know that I think what your point, you know, I remember, I think Hector Bellerin made his, chat. It could have been his full debut or it could have been his Champions League debut yeah, against Borussia Dortmund. Mm. Had a nightmare of a game. So a player can come in and, you know, have a difficult start and then establish themselves and, and become a, a favorite and become, you know, a part of the first team. But I think what we understand from Mikel Arteta is that he is not prepared to sacrifice or put at risk the potential of a young player's career by bringing that player in too early or playing them too early. Like, remember all the discussion about Martinelli? Like, he hates Martinelli. He's not playing yeah. him. And all he ever said was, I really like Martinelli, but he's not quite ready yet. Or I feel like, you know, we've got to get him uh, to a point where I feel confident or where he's confident then when, when he makes uh, appearances, he can make a contribution for the team. Even someone like William Saliba. Yeah. Where... I suppose you could make an argument that the season where he went to Marseille and did really well, he probably could have done well for Arsenal. But mm. would he have been quite at the, oh my God, look at this guy, level that we saw him at when he started last season? I'm not sure. Yeah. And I think there's another point as well, which is 
Unai Emery is often credited a lot and with the whole Saka and Smith Rowe debuts that you know he gave to them and and, and credit to Emery for giving those debuts. But mm. I always like to maintain that it is Arteta that established those players as starters in the first eleven. Not only that, but if you compare the squad now to where it was when Saka and Smith Rowe made their debuts. I'd argue it's night and day in terms of quality. Yeah. We've now got a team that's expected to compete for a title every single season. That's what most fans would say the expectation is. is we've got to try and get as close to Man City and Liverpool as we can. A challenge in the top four is no longer the expectation around Arsenal like it was when Unai Emery was at the club. And we had a squad that reflected that at the time. And so it was easier to give Saka or Smith Rowe a debut. And that shouldn't take away from the fact that he did that. Mm. But what it should do is provide perspective around why Arteta can't necessarily do that for us. And also on the Man City point, you just have to look how much money they invest. Clive tells me this all the time. Look at how much money is being invested into City's academy and how much and where they're getting. They're taking players from Manchester United. You know, you know, it's it's a really strong point. And, and we are finding our gems as we can. And we will try and give them the best opportunity that they can. But sometimes it doesn't come as forthcoming as many would like. Yeah, I remember couple of years ago, maybe, maybe just a little bit more than that. I can't remember the exact time frame because everything's so mixed up over the last few years. Mm. But similar, not accusations, but there was a real clamor from Manchester City fans to see Phil Foden in the team because they could see this is a young player who has got huge potential. And so when they would see him in the EFL Cup games or when they would see him get like a substitute appearance, a cameo appearance here and there, like even a team like Manchester City, who are as successful as you can possibly get, who've won so many titles, you know, there's still that desire within the fan base to like, well, yeah, that's good. But like, we want to see, we want to see an 18 year old come in and take the place of X player who has helped us to win the title this season and got us to a Champions League final, blah, 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 you know, or got us deep into the Champions League. So that that sort of culture, I think, exists with, with fans everywhere. But Guardiola was the same. He was like, I'll play him when he's ready. And ultimately, the beneficiary of that is Manchester City, but also Phil Foden and also England, because the managing of the early part of a player's career I think is is really important for the way that they develop. This idea that it's like, okay, he's 16, he's good, just fucking play him and see what happens. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't really work like that unless you've yeah. got like an extra, extra special player like Cesc Fabregas who could come in at 16 and not look out of place. But he's like a once in four or five generation player that we yeah, were absolutely blessed to have. And let's not forget... One, he had a manager in Arsene Wenger who was a very, um, uh, how would I put it, like good at the human side of the game, if you know what I mean. So empathetic, empathetic but yeah, could 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 sort of um, not fit a sixteen-year-old into a team like Arsenal had at that moment in time, but but ensure that a sixteen-year-old didn't look out of place, right? Yeah. But look at who he came in to play with. Look at the side that he had around. Look at the players he had around him. Look yeah. at the experience. Look at the quality of players that he had around him. You know, and he's talked about it uh, himself, about how those players, despite his prodigious talent, really, really helped him, you know, settle in and become part of a, a first team at Arsenal r really quickly, you know. So 
there's so much that goes into these young players because they have them from the time they're six, seven, eight at these academies. Clubs want these players to succeed. They want them to be good enough. And the idea that you wouldn't use them just because, well, you know, why would I do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. No, and just just to provide some balance, this isn't to say that I don't think we're saying Mikel Arteta is perfect when it comes to this. I think there are perhaps times where there, there is a missed opportunity. I wouldn't point to the PSV game. I would point to the Lons game when we were 5-6 nil up with five minutes to go and we're bringing on a senior player. Maybe that's when you can give the opportunity. Maybe there's an argument there that Arteta could have given an opportunity to one of the kids in that game when we were cruising at that point. Mm. But... The concept that Mikel Arteta does not give youth a chance is a myth and is simply just not true. Okay, what about some transfer news? There's not a great deal going on, obviously, beyond the you know the the excitement of the the Benzema deal, uh, mm. naturally. <laughs> <laughs> but we we have um, we talk, talking about young players, right? Um, Cedric might go. I'm not saying he's the young player, but you mentioned Rural Water, Walters earlier on. You know, Cedric, I think everyone understands, is is got six months left on his deal, hasn't played a Premier League game since 2022. Um, you know, doesn't have a lot left to offer at this level. And I don't think he was ever quite at the level that we needed that player to be. Is moving him on, I was going to say get, getting rid of him, but that f- felt harsh. But is moving him on in January, you know, a little step towards creating a pathway for a young player like Rule Walters to maybe get a little bit closer to the first team and become more involved and, and perhaps get some minutes if if we need him. Things are a little light defensively at this moment in time with Sinchenko out and Tommy Asu away and uh, Timber injured. So, you know, there is need for a player who can give you that little bit of depth. So, you know, would you be, would you be more inclined to say, look, he's not great, but like he's experienced. And if we absolutely needed him, you know, he could come in and do a job or would you, would you say this is the opportunity to get a hundred grand off the wage bill? perhaps allow us to do something in January, but also, you know, show that there is a pathway uh, to the first team for, for a young player. And, and, you know, young defenders, I think in particular, find it much more difficult to make the breakthrough than, than other players because there's just so much more pressure at the back. Yeah, I, I think it is time um, to, I'll use your words, move on <laughs> from, from Cedric. <laughs> um, and I think El Nenny, of course, maybe comes into that equation as well in the midfield. I know he's away with Egypt at the moment, but there is suggestions that there's links with Turkish clubs and they're interested in him as there are with, with Cedric. Um, but I think what Rule Waters um, offers is that I think Cedric hot back to a time when I was saying about you think about the difference in starting quality between you know where we are now and where Unai Emery was and at the right at the start of, of Arteta's tenure which of course was mm. when Cedric came in as well and I think that that gap between Waters and Cedric for instance is a gap that can be bridged far far easier for a player like Waters than say Lewis Skelly has with Rice and Partey and Jorginho there, although you can say on any part of that, or you can say yeah. with Souza with you know Tommy Asu and Zinchenko on the on the left hand side, on Ranieri with the attacking midfield options that we've got as well. So I think that of those, Cedric's departure would 
open up a pathway? Are we going to get into a position where it gets to April and we've had another injury crisis and we miss Cedric and we've got Walters? I don't think so. I think that if, if we're starting a game in the Premier League and we're expected to compete for a title, am I going to feel more nervous about Raw Walters playing right back or Cedric playing right back? I'm... I, I, I don't know, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to put my chips on on either. And I think that maybe is telling in itself. Mm. So, yeah, I think that Cedric's move is necessary to get those, as you say. Um, I think it's somewhere in the range of sixty to seventy, maybe more, with bonuses going up to a hundred thousand pounds. He was a ballsman, so it was a it was a good contract. It was a good one, yeah. Um, and uh, and then of course you've got El Nenny, um, who I think of the two. Is you know you look at El Nen and you see him. He's gone to Old Trafford and put in a very good performance in the last couple of years with with Partey next to him. Of the two, if you were willing to put a bank on them as having a a good performance for you, putting a six or seven out of ten performance is El Nen. So he'd probably be the one that you'd keep with for sure. But Cedric, yeah, certainly time to to move. Forward. Yeah, I can't really see El Nen going in 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 this window anyway. Primarily because he's away at Afcon mm. and you know things can happen very quickly. But if Egypt go far he's going to be involved there and then that kind of precludes any kind of negotiations and 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 everything else i, I do as well think that arteta views his experience as, as relatively useful at this moment in time like um it is rice it is Jorginho, and then it's el Neni. and look uh, again i don't think um i don't think he's going to be here next season um but i think he might be a bit more useful to you over the course of the the second half of the season than someone like Cedric might be. Um, again, because maybe we have that young player who's who's potentially coming through. Are you surprised, generally speaking, about the lack of transfer activity this this January? Um, last January, Premier League clubs spent over seven hundred million pounds. This January, with 12 days to go, I don't even know if they've spent over £50 million. I mean, it is a huge shift. Whether last winter was just something completely different, I'm not sure, but there there tended to be, I'm you know, my memory, quite a bit more activity going on. Now, there might be a domino fall somewhere and then things start to happen, but you know, are you surprised? Do you think that's you know maybe the the charges leveled at Everton and Nottingham Forest and the Premier League appearing at least to be a little more strict or stringent about these financial rules is is playing a part in what's happening in this window? Yeah, I th- absolutely. I think that it is. Um, there's something of it becoming very real um, when you see uh, you know the first Premier League side to, to, to receive a points deduction under these regulations in Everton and now obviously the, the, the second charge they received and Nottingham Forest receiving their charge as well. Suggestions that Wolves narrowly escaped it by doing the selling that they did in the summer. Um, and we know that Arsenal's deal for David Raya and the loan with the option was, was predicated on the fact that that was to help us keep in line with profit and sustainability regulations ourselves. Mm. So we know that we amongst others are certainly in in, in a position where we're trying to tread the line uh, whilst always still wanting to do business. I think it's important to always clarify for supporters that are frustrated with us not spending. It's not a reluctance to spend. It's a reluctance to break the regulations that you need to work along with. And so 
Arsenal, I think, if they found the right opportunity, would do everything in their power to explore making it happen, um, but will find it very challenging to do so. If Arsenal look at the, the the deductions to Everton, look at the fact that Man City have reportedly received their date for their hearing of the alleged 115 um, breaches um, that we, we learned about last year, early last year, and, and that still might not get resolved until 2025. You know, it, there is a realism at the top end of the table, not just the bottom end of the table with this stuff. Um, and Arsenal will hope, obviously, that the right outcome comes. You think back to Arsene Wenger all, all the way those years ago, talking mm. about the hope that that these regulations and back then it was obviously financial fair play rather than profit and sustainability, which exists still, but they're under different guises. The hope was that they, they would allow clubs like Arsenal and Liverpool as well, who obviously work with attempting to work with self-sustaining models to, to be successful. And I suppose that Liverpool in some ways have shown that Arsenal showing last season that they can compete with City again is it shows promise. But when the team that you're going up against is facing the allegations that they're facing, it brings a, a very sharp realness to things. I think if Arsenal were going to do business this window, it would probably be a loan. And I think it would probably be coming at the end of the window. Reason being is that we can only bring one more player on loan with David Rea being here. And they may look to see what happens in these games against um, Palace and Forest, of course, before making a decision on a loan because if somebody gets a bad injury in those two games you've still got the scope to to find somebody on loan toward the end of the window so I don't think they'll jump on a loan unless they are absolutely sure of it until that time comes but it's mm. unexpected it's, it's it's expectedly sorry quiet during this window yeah for all, most clubs. yeah I mean I think your point there about it not being a reluctance to spend is is a good one because look at what Arsenal have done in the last number of windows spent big Spent last January, um, you know, we spent big in the summer. We spent big the summer before that. We spent, you know, we, uh, the summer before that was where we brought in those six players, you know, with Odegaard and Ramsdale and Ben White. And, um, you know, not not all of them worked out, but but um, there was certainly the intention there to, to build the squad. So I don't think any football manager would, if at all possible, um, not look to improve their squad if they could via the market. Like, I just don't know why, like, it's not as if, um, you know, Mikel Arteta will get a bonus at the end of the season if we don't spend in January. It's not that, you know, I think if he had the means, and I think he's shown it, you know, with certain deals and certain players who have come in, he will uh, do a deal that he thinks is good for the club, regardless of, you know, what that means for another player. You know, I'm thinking Ryan Ramsdale in, in that situation, you know? So I think those, um, you know, the idea that we don't want to spend is completely different from our ability to spend, whether or not we can get some money in. If somebody is sold in in the January window, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I do think there might need to be a couple of deals done in the Premier League that get some money sloshing around. You know, the only money that's gone out, I think, is Spurs buying the guy from from Genoa. That's the only big deal, yeah. you know? So that money is not in the Premier League now. That money has gone to Italy. So whether they, you know, spend it on somebody else, um, we'll have to wait and see. But But so far, it's been really, really quiet. Which I think makes interesting the the comments from Ivan Tony, right? He did a big interview with Sky Sports. I thought it was quite interesting the way this was presented because he did a big interview about coming back after his ban for betting and um, you know what it's been like for him 
to be on the sidelines, what it's been like not being able to train with your team, what it's been like, you know, having to deal with the consequences of, of his addiction, I guess. Because we know for some people gambling is is addictive. And Ivan Tony is probably the most high-profile recent example of that, not the only one, of course. But he spoke about all of that. But the lead on the article is um, Tony talking about wanting to move to a big club. You can never predict when the time is right to move elsewhere, he said. But I think it's obvious I want to play for a top club. Everybody wants to play for a top club that is fighting for titles. Whether it's this January, that's the right time for a club to come in and pay the money. Who knows? We've just talked about Arsenal. I think our ability to get a deal done for Ivan Tony in, in January is, is basically zero. Um, you know, particularly as we have an IOU with Brentford anyway. I'm not sure they're going to just add, you know, add another 60 million on there and, you know, have the, have this guy. What's your opinion on Tony as a, as a possible option for Arsenal? And what do you think of the comments where, you know, he has been out? And I think we have to recognize the the problem with gambling and we have to recognize the problem with gambling within the Premier League and Brentford have a shirt sponsor, which is a gambling company. And, you know, he has missed a lot of football for Brentford and Brentford are in really big trouble right now. They need Ivan Tony. Is this the sort of thing he should say at this moment in time, rather than just sort of come back, get your head down, score the goals that your club needs you to score in the second half of this season, and then sort of push this through in the summer because, you know, if we all know what's going on in January and what clubs can and can't do in January, players and agents know it too. You know, the the, the timing is not particularly great with those kinds of comments. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I imagine Brentford are rolling their eyes <laughs> quite considerably um, when, they, when they heard him saying these things. And I think that, his focus should be because he's I, I cannot see a world in which he moves in this January window and I think the likelihood is as Thomas Frank said he described it as a 99% assurance that he will be at the club until the end of the season is that he should be minded to be thinking about Brentford and, and, and in some ways I think that would have shown something to interested parties about his own you know mentality in a way that he is focused on mm-hmm. where he's at right now and it's a quality that the clubs and scouts look at my you know, take the the gambling element out of things. Um, there, there's been things with Ivan Tony in the past. You know, videos that have emerged of him saying things rather disparagingly about Brentford, um, and that was always in question for me whenever I was asked about whether he was a player that I think Arsenal and whether he would suit a Mikel Arteta squad. You know, mm. you know Arteta's like regarding character. You know, of players and that being a a really important quality that he looks for, and. There's, I've never been able to be completely sold on the idea of, from a footballing point of view, Tony. And and that goes with and without the fact that he's been without football for the last six months. But we'll have six more months of evidence of where he's at as a player, you know, very imminently from how he finishes the season with Brentford. But you, the goal tallies that he's, he's amassed, it's worth pointing out that, yes, he scored 20 Premier League goals last season. Six of those were penalties. Um so 14 Premier League goals from open play, um, which is less than Erdegaard, ironically, um, last season. And the season before that, the non-penalty goals were in single digits. So obviously there's two seasons we've we've had of evidence from, from Tony. And I'm not sure if that quantifies 
the £100 million price tag, which is what's being talked about. Now, that's being talked about for this window, it's worth pointing out. That could change for the summer slightly, but I don't know why Brentford would come down too much because they know that there's more than just Arsenal that are supposedly interested in Tony. And if Arsenal are going to go for the £100 again, I think it should be a striker that's the equivalent of what Declan Rice has been for us and the impact that he's made on the midfield. I think if you're going to spend that much on a centre-forward, you have to be sure that not only that player is going to contribute a world-class level of output, but it's a world-class level of output over an extended period. And that's where the age profile, I think, comes into it as well with Ivan Tony as well. So I, I am yet to be convinced that he is who I would pick. Um, but there is not exactly a glut of quality centre forwards out there, which does create another discussion. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I'm sort of aligned with you on that one. You know, it'll be 28 in the summer. Brentford are going to want some money, serious money for him. Um, I, I have nagging doubts. I mean, I I have to say, I like him. I like him as a player. I was yeah. at the game last season where we drew 1-1 with Brentford, and he was so good. He really yeah. was. You know, he, he he gave William Saliba a really hard time, which is, you know, as good a compliment as you can pay a, a centre forward. And the argument, you know, the flip side of that argument might be, well, look, would he give us more than Eddie Nketiah does? Yes, I think so. Uh, does he give us a different kind of option to Eddie? Yes. Perhaps, you know, uh, playing in a team like Arsenal, who normally create more chances than than a Brentford, you know, your goal tally could improve in that regard. But generally speaking, I'm sort of, I've got nagging doubts about whether this is the the right deal for the kind of money that it would cost. You know, my, my own suspicion with regard centre forward and the summer is that we will we will try and get somebody who is maybe just at the point of really breaking through and I don't quite know who that is. I know Arsenal have employed a a new scout in South America mm-hmm. that they got from um Real Madrid. I think his name is Paolo Paolo Xavier Paolo yep. Xavier. Um you know, is it possible that we are going to try and unearth somebody in South America who might come in? I'm not saying like a Julian Alvarez, but but that kind of thing where you're probably still going to pay a fair bit, but you're not going to pay 100, 120 million, 130 million for a Tony or an Aussie man or somebody like that. I just, I really can't see Arsenal doing that. So in the absence of that, what else is there? And I think it is going to be tr- uh, trying to find the profile of player that we want, but have they reached the the arc of the potential that they have? Not close. And that, I don't mean to say they will be a development player, but it might take a season or two seasons for that player to really become who we want that striker to be. That No information, just my gut feeling on this one. I, I think, no, it's, it's not a case of... Um, no information there definitely is indications that Arsenal are exploring more into South America and the, the what you said about the the additional scout that we've got um there but you know since uh I don't mean to use the the, the word of Brexit but since Brexit um South America has become more of a focus for clubs in the UK um and it's not just Brazil and Argentina you know Moises Caicedo and, and where Brighton found him and the Ecuadorian links there you know it's important to point out that 
there is talent all over South America that, that is untapped. Manchester City have, have taken a real storming lead in this because of their City football group and the the links that they've got across, not just the ability to bring a player in and you know develop them at City, but to bring a player into Troyes or to Lommel in, mm. in, in Belgium or you know to um, a club in Europe that they've got the links to and they've got in their group and they can guarantee them minutes. And we've seen Savio, you know, recently. Girona, he's at the moment. He was at Twilight last season. He was on loan at uh, PSV. Um, Arsenal were really keen on him, actually. But City, you know, could basically guarantee the better pathway or the better route of development for mm. him. Arsenal have gone down that route before and been successful with Martinelli. We've gone down that route. And recently this month, we recalled Marquinhos. And that is a complete contrast to the Martinelli situation where he's gone to Norwich and not done really well. He's gone to Nantes and they're not, they weren't keen on keeping it. It was very mutual, that recall between the two clubs. And when I spoke to somebody at the club about Marquinhos, that what I was basically told is that there's not been a decision made on on him about what that, and that, that means that all options are, are open from him reintegrating into the youth team or going out on loan again or even being sold. He's with the... Brazil under 23s for the, the pre-Olympic squad mm. at the moment and that runs through until actually beyond the end of the January window so um, it could be similar to El Nene as we were discussing earlier that a transfer can't happen because he's going to be busy with the, the Brazilian youth side but we are. I agree with you in the profile of centre forward that without there being that glut of senior strikers that you can get, and you mentioned the names of, of Tony already, but Ozzyman, as you mentioned, I think Patrick Schick is another one to, to look at as well. Just come back from a big injury and already scoring goals for a, a very good Bayer Leverkusen side at the moment. But then you look at the same club at Bayer Leverkusen, they've succeeded to where they are at the moment with a very young forward that not many people were talking about called Victor Boniface, who's mm-hmm. done really, really well. And then, you know, it's very quick that we, we see these names pop up they make a move to a big club and sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, so it's always going to be a gamble. But what fans have got to recognise is if there isn't a glut of top, top centre forwards and we aren't in a position to get one, that the clamour is going to be real for these strikers because if we're going to wait for a, a development to come through, it, we may have to rely on Gabriel Jesus or Kai Havertz or Trossard for a continued period until those strikers that we've signed do reach a level. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about like an 18-year-old or a 17-year-old. No, or the, 20, you know, 22. bring me, bring yeah. me an Endrick, no problem. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe our Real Madrid guy uh, in South America can, can find another one of those. But yeah. it might well be somebody who's 21, 22, just sort of on the cusp of of really kicking on in their career and who that is and and where they might come from i i don't know but it seems to me a bit more likely than arsenal going all in on on somebody uh you know some of the players that that we've already mentioned anyway that is a a discussion for the summer just finally tom arsenal have got one win in their last seven games there is now you know a real need to put things right and get things back on track, starting on Saturday against Crystal Palace, who have had a difficult midweek. They've gone out of the FA Cup. You might uh, wonder if that is going to make them a bit more tired uh, for Saturday, or if they might be, you know, ready to bounce back and, and put things right. It doesn't seem like all is particularly well at Palace, but I think you underestimate them at your peril. They've got some very, very good players, a couple of players in that team who I would be quite happy to see uh, in the red and white uh, of Arsenal. Mm. But, you know, after the Palace game, there's another break basically, because it's an FA Cup weekend the following weekend, it's 10 days until Arsenal play again. So 
it's really, really important that this Saturday goes well, because the last thing any of us need is another 10-day period where we're sort of pouring, picking over the bones of what's gone wrong, what can we do, how do we fix it? You know, uh, it, it's a chance as well, isn't it? You know, play hard against Palace, then you can rest and recoup. And, you know, it's a big week then. I think it's Forest away on the Tuesday and then yeah. Liverpool, um, which could be, a, you know, it could be the kind of week that, that shifts the needle back the other way um, in, in the Premier League. But it's incumbent on Arsenal, you know, getting it right on Saturday against Palace. Yeah, I think... Uh, it's interesting because you say these games are spread over such a, a interestingly elongated period of time. But Arsenal season could be made or not in these next few weeks because that Liverpool game is on the horizon. Um, but you, you can't turn that Forest game, as Elliot would like to call it, into a trap game. And, you know, you shift focus toward Liverpool and you forget about what you've got to do before it. I remember that game against Brentford that we drew before we played Man City. Um it's it's incredibly important that we win the game against Palace. Not only win it, but I think we have to try and win it well and and score goals because if we win one nil, that's not going to stop the the accusations of Arsenal scoring problems. You know, we really need to have a good performance in which we're building up confidence and proving that we can finish clinically. And then Forest is an interesting one because it's of course the a ground where we have struggled, um, mm. where we've not done particularly well in, in recent past. And if you win those two games before you go to play Liverpool, that, that really does add momentum. But if there's question marks going into Liverpool, it can be a case where the Liverpool game is a must win or you are out of the race. It, it can change that quickly. But I'm doing the ironic thing of getting ahead of myself and looking three games ahead when sure. Alice is next. And I think that you're right in pointing out their game uh, on Wednesday night against Everton. They played a strong team. You know, they played everyone pretty much that, that they would play in a Premier League game and they've only got two days to recover. You can look at that in one or two ways. You can say, A, they might be more tired or B, they might be more match ready than Arsenal who have mm. been away from football for, you know, more than a week. I remember whenever we play a pre-season game against an MLS side and it weren't going well, the commentator would often say, well, they have been playing competitive football for quite some time. Yeah. So I feel as though that's always something you have to bring up when you're at a break and you're going into a team that have been playing more recently than you as, as the counter side to rest. So it's an important game. I think Arsenal have to win well. The striker selection is going to be interesting because Jesus has been back in training, but I quite liked Kai Havertz's performance. It was only lacking a goal against Liverpool from being a really good display from him, in my view. Um, and then you've got to choose if you bring Jesus back in for that. Yeah, um, I but I mean, it isn't isn't what informs the 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 striker decision the left eight as much as anything else? Like, who mm -hmm. else are you going to play in there? Do you you know you can shift your midfield around? But um, I mean, I think it's got to be Jesus if he if he's fit and ready. Yeah, you know, get as many attacking players on the pitch as possible. Um, I mean, what's your gut feeling about how Arsenal will have you know? taken this break and this ability to sort of not down tools but to just stop and look and assess not just the manager but the players themselves and I'm sure they've had meetings and I'm sure they've watched the tapes and I'm sure they've gone over all the things that haven't gone particularly well over the last couple of weeks are you confident that this you know has been a good time uh, to put that in place and, and to be able to do that given that now between um, you know, basically now and May, there's 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 no stopping. It's basically, you know, here we go, uh, and you you've got to build momentum. 
Yeah, I feel good. So this this was not a holiday um, that the players were on. Mm. Uh, it was a it was a training program in which they, it was designed to yes get them out of the environment of the cold, harsh winter that we're experiencing here in the UK, um, but to to give them a bit of a, a reset and then to work on everything that has not been going the way it has because off the back of that form of one win in seven, the mood is and has been low and it can be really hard, especially for a side like Arsenal where last season when we lost games, we tended to respond quite quickly last season, whereas we didn't have these patches like we did during the the season we finished fifth, where if we lost a game, it kind of snowballed for a bit before we reacted. Mm. This season, sadly, we've we seemingly refound that that trait that hopefully Arteta can escape us from. Um, lots of shooting practice, I hope, <laughs> they've been doing. Certainly the videos on the Arsenal website suggest they have been. Um, so uh, that that's <laughs> promising. But uh, yeah, I am confident that it's been a successful trip, that it's been an, uh, a well-needed kind of break from routine sometimes and to have something of a theoretical um, clean slate to say mm. that's the first half of the season. This is, you know, we're going back to zero and we're going to go from here and just see what happens and, and take each game as it comes. All right. Well, fingers crossed we can get back to uh, to winning ways on Saturday against Palace. Tom, great to talk to you as always. Thanks a million and we'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Absolute pleasure. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. 
Thank you very much indeed to Tom. You can find him on Twitter. He is at Tom Canton Media, at Tom Canton Media. And Tom is producing stuff on a prodigious basis over on YouTube as well. If you Google, or, you know, even better, just search on YouTube for the Gunner Talk, you'll find Tom's channel, lots of Arsenal discussion, debate, good guests, and plenty more besides. So do check that out. So that is just about that for this week's show. It's a, it's a slow reintroduction to football. Like we said, there's a game, then there's 10 days off, but then things are really going to start heating up. The games are going to come thick and fast, and we'll have plenty more to talk about. Mikel Arteta will meet the press tomorrow afternoon, so we might get a, a post-Dubai rundown on who might be available, who's fit. Are there any updates on the likes of Thomas Partey, Fabio Vieira, Alexander Zinchenko still reportedly struggling? Struggling with a calf injury, so we might get some updates on that. Uh, we will, of course, preview the Palace game over on Patreon. First, we'll be talking to our friend Dan from HLTCO, who I'm sure you've heard on the show before. So we'll get some Palace perspective from Dan. And as usual, look at the game through an Arsenal lens, too. If you want to sign up to our Patreon, you get instant access to everything that we do. Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. It's about a five or a month. It also helps support everything that we do on Arsblog. So Patreon.com forward slash Arsblog for that. For now, now, take it easy, folks. Have a great weekend. Fingers crossed for the right result on Saturday, and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.